Proverbs chapter number 2. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter number 2. A moment ago we sang, Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Every time I hear that song sung, even Sunday night, I thought of this. If you've ever read the biography, and I doubt many of you have, From Disgrace to Grace, it's the biography of Oliver B. Green. It actually doesn't even have a binding. It's more of a smaller booklet, but it's uh, fairly substantive for a booklet. But it uh, tells the story of Oliver B. Green, the great radio preacher of the South, based out of Greenville, South Carolina, the Gospel Hour. And it's uh, certainly a book worth reading. And uh, he was pretty bad, and I won't go into all of it, but he stole from his dad. He was a thief and many different things about his life. And somehow, I can't even remember how, he ended up in a revival service down there in the Greenville area. And uh, Moody Bible Institute back in the day had a trio of girls there that night presenting their, uh, the institute. And they got up and they sang, Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. And Oliver B. Green was blown away by their countenance. They were so excited about that song and singing that song that it deeply impacted him. When the preacher got up and the preacher, if you ever read the biography, he cut it, man, he cut a straight shot and he ripped it up one side and down the other. And before that night was over, Oliver B. Green was wondrously born again. And just a tremendous transformation that took place in his life. But I think of that when I hear that, oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. It matters how you sing, not just that you sing the right song, but how you sing. Certainly that night, three young ladies were walking with God and their countenances impacted a man who would literally impact thousands through his radio ministry, maybe even hundreds of thousands, and even a revivalist. He would preach tent meetings in the summer that were greatly effective back in the day. I think his greatest or tent crusade was in Oil City, Pennsylvania. But anyway, speaking of preachers of yesteryear, I, we, I, we may do this on our uh, podcast, we, uh, The D Generation, is during this pandemic, you might be thinking, okay, uh, what kind of are some things I can do? I know some of you had to wait to school to get all over. Let me just give you some suggestions. These may be on the podcast of some old-time preachers to look up their messages and listen to them. But uh, God's Three Deadlines by J. Harold Smith. Boy, that is a tremendous one. I just want to warn you now, that'll rock you. But it, 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 it is an intense message, great message. I think they got video of that one as well as audio. Phil Schuler's Life Story, Evangelist Phil Schuler. His life story is a classic, and that one I believe is uh, at least an audio on, uh, on uh, line. And then one I just came across, I remember as a kid my dad talking about uh, Jim Delaschmidt, who was a drug dealer. He was the president of the Hells Angels in St. Louis, and his story of conversion from dope to hope. And that one's on Sermon Audio. There's three suggestions. That'll keep you busy for three hours. But... Um, if you want some good preaching, some of you are a little bit uh, wondering what you're going to do with your time, and I doubt that's few of you. But, uh, uh, but anyway, there's nothing like the biographies and the good preaching of these old-timers. I think sometimes some of you do not realize, uh, maybe have tapped into some of the great messages of yesteryear that are still available because of recording, and I just wanted to suggest a few. And again, we may be taking a segment of some of those, putting them on the podcast, and then encouraging young people to listen to the full message um, we may be doing that here in time just to encourage young people to spend their time in a profitable way. We'll see how that plays out, but I thought I'd at least mention that right now in light of the song, Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian in the life of Oliver B. Green. In fact, when I was in my 20s, I, uh, I have at least 100 biographies, probably more than that, sitting down in my room. Probably read most of them in my 20s, early 30s before God gave us children. And uh, just the other day, I was thinking of an illustration I needed to use and uh, uh, I remember going down, pulling off the biography of George Whitfield and finding the story, and uh, ended up reading the whole biography again. It was such a thrill uh, by John Pollock on the life of George Whitfield. But anyway, uh, those uh, can many times give you great sermon illustrations, stir your heart, give you a vision for what God wants to do in your heart and life as well. 
Okay, let's go to the message, and we're going to, I sense the Lord wants us to do something here this morning a little bit, um, maybe a little bit different, I don't know, but I want you to go to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to follow one of the themes, there are many themes in the book of Proverbs, most of you know that. I've got a message I haven't preached in a while, probably need to preach it next year, on slothfulness out of the book, and kind of categorize the different lessons we can learn about slothfulness in the book of Proverbs. And there are many themes, as you know, all weaving throughout the book of Proverbs. But one of them that I think is extremely important, particularly in light of our day, is the, um, is the teaching on what the Bible calls the strange woman. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible actually uses three different, uh, Proverbs uses three different characteristics. The strange woman is the one used the most, but also the evil woman. And I believe that's, uh, I think that's in Proverbs, maybe it's two or five, I can't remember. And then the foolish woman, which is Proverbs 9. Now, there are six, I think, passages, uh, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, Proverbs 9, and Proverbs 23. I would encourage every young man in this uh, hearing me to take all those verses on the strange woman and memorize them. Uh, years ago, I did that. I memorized every verse on the strange woman in the book of Proverbs, which means you're going to have to memorize all of Proverbs 5 and all of Proverbs 7, last half of Proverbs 6, a few verses on the end of Proverbs 9, Proverbs 2, and then a few verses in Proverbs 23. Uh, certainly in our day, those are very helpful passages of Scripture in light of uh, uh, the moral uh, decline of our culture. So I certainly encourage you young men to do that. It wouldn't hurt you young ladies as well. But I want to walk through. Now, if you, if you know much about these passages, you'll realize there's three themes pretty much in every passage, uh, some a little more prevalent than others. Number one, it's the characteristics of the strange woman or the immoral woman. That's the first thing you find. What, what is, what's going on here? What's, what, is, uh, what are the negative characteristics of this kind of woman? Number two, the consequences. If you get involved with this kind of woman, which I believe does include viewing pornography, no doubt about it. Pornography is the, woman, the strange woman, and uh, no doubt about that. But the consequences, what happens if you get involved, and then, of course, the, the warnings and the exhortations and commands to protect you from getting involved. So every passage pretty much will deal with those three things. And honestly, I think you could warrant probably a whole series on this particular theme, and it would certainly bear those three themes out, some passages again, like I said, more than others. But I just want to take a rocket right over them. I'm not sure we'll hit every passage, but we'll go ahead and start in Proverbs chapter number two. One of the reasons I'm doing this is because uh, with the time on your hand, the internet accessibility, and all of these things, I think it's important to understand a little bit about this subject matter, because the strange woman today largely finds her presence on the internet. And I think there's some great principles right here in uh, the book of Proverbs that can protect you if you'll heed them. And they are important to heed. Proverbs chapter number 2, beginning uh, down here in verse number 16. Now, if you go to verse 11, uh, you'll see the, the, the uh, infinitive there, 12 and 16, to deliver. So 11 is saying, here's what's, uh, if you do this, it'll deliver you. From first of all, the way of the evil man, verse 12, and then 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman. So let's go to 11, then we'll jump down to 16. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God, and her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go under her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That is a stunning statement. That thou mayest walk in the ways of good man, and keep the paths of the righteous. Now, obviously, there's several characteristics here. Forsakes the guide of her youth. And I think clearly every young woman understands that God puts in you a God-given propensity toward modesty. That is something that I believe is simply put in the heart 
uh, of a young lady. Now, it may be referring to that, or it may simply be referring to the guidance from her parents, the spiritual, biblical teaching that she received. Of course, in a Jewish culture, that would have happened. And forsaking the guide of her youth could simply be a reference to that as well. It could be that which God puts in the heart. It could simply be that which parents or other religious Bible leaders put in their hearts. But there's a forsaking of that which, of course, was either put there by God or put there by people who loved her. She forsakes the guide of youth, and of course, this one clearly is God, forgiven the covenant of her God. This is someone who turns her back on God. So there's many things we could say about this strange woman. And for you young ladies, it certainly would be warrant a study to find out what kind of woman not to be and find out how the strange woman are the characteristics. Uh, it's very interesting, the consequences, that her house inclines unto death and her paths unto the dead. You will find that in several passages of Scripture. The Bible talks about the absence of life. So a young man who begins to look at pornography, one thing he will certainly find is spiritual life eludes him. He no longer has abundant life. And now he's dealing with the deadness of carnality, the deadness of addiction. And it is certainly, as any young man listening to me who's ever been involved in viewing pornography knows the spiritually deadening effect and has an unbelievable spiritual deadening effect on your heart and life. And some of you understand that a whole lot better uh, than some from my generation. But nonetheless, God gives us some consequences, but I'm largely here to try to kind of deal with how we're supposed to deal with it. Notice it says, discretion shall preserve the understanding, shall keep the... If you were to study these passages, you would find one of the major themes is the fact that uh, understanding is what keeps you away from the strange woman, which simply is becoming immersed, not only in knowing Bible truth, but having, I think we're having a fire drill. Should we just keep preaching? Okay, if you see the flames, you know that I'll uh, probably be leaving. Okay, but anyway, uh, I am not sure exactly what happened here, but we'll continue to go. It does remind me of something happened last fall, and I really should probably... Uh, I won't say where this was, but I was about to go into a chapel. We were in a huge battle in a Christian school, a Christian school that never broke through. And the principal comes to me before the preaching, says, oh, by the way, in the middle of the chapel, while you're preaching today, in the middle of your preaching, we're going to have a fire drill. You know, I'm thinking to myself, no wonder we're having trouble with these kids. And uh, uh, sure enough, I got up, fortunately, it was the beginning of my message, started to preach. The fire drill went off, kids went out the door, and I couldn't believe it. I absolutely was stunned but when things locked down and nobody made a decision, I realized uh, at least a little bit of insight why. But anyway, that kind of reminded me now that this fire drill is going on. So if you hear the buzz in the back of the ground here, uh, background, you know what's going on. But um, I'm sure that was not the same case here. But uh, I assume this is random. I, I, would, I don't know who would have pulled it in the building, but who knows? I, I think it was John Semple. I saw him a moment ago. He's the only one I can think of in the moment. But, um, uh, but anyway, okay, back to the message. Uh, here's the key, friends. Understanding is simply not just knowing what the Bible says. It is a spiritual understanding, which means you've spent time with God. One of the reasons the hour with God or extended time with God is so important, it's not that you're just uh, learning facts about God or facts about uh, tr spiritual truth. You are experiencing the reality of God Himself. And everybody out here listening knows, if you've ever spent extended, extended time with God, you know that that time with God helps you to have understanding, which is that spiritual illumination that the Holy Spirit gives you and helps you have a deeper understanding of what Bible truth is all about. So uh, that certainly is an important dynamic. So in these days, one of the things you can do to protect yourself is spend time with God. Spend time in the Word of God, spend time with God, fellowshipping with God and asking Him to illumine His Word so that it's not just facts to you, 
it, it comes off the page and stirs you. And any preacher knows, if you preach facts, you'll bore your, your people to death. It's not that there aren't facts that are dealt with in preaching. It's just they're facts on fire. They're facts that have stirred you, have challenged you, and the Spirit of God has illumined to you, and there's something about presenting those, that truth uh, that is on fire. And so speaking uh, the truth in love, the Bible says, and that love, of course, comes. Okay, I guess we're going to have to exit the building. So keep your live stream on. Okay, hopefully you're right back there. We're not sure what happened, and please don't start the rumor that John Simple did it. That was supposed to be humor, but I realize that could start a rumor, and it could be all over, and I don't want to crush the boy because I'm sure he's got more... Uh, He's got more brains than most of you listening, so I'm sure he wouldn't have done that. But, um, uh, but anyway, I mean, he can speak Chinese. Who of you can? Okay, but anyway. Okay, so um, uh, Proverbs chapter number 2 is our starting place. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 5 since that will make a natural break here. And Proverbs chapter 5, the whole chapter deals with this, and there's obviously no time to be able to do with every verse, but I just want to point out a couple of things that the Bible says here. And uh, then, because uh, I'm more concerned right now with uh, not just the characteristics of the strange woman, those can be studied, not just the consequences, though I may reference a few. I really want us to deal with what is the way out. And of course, we saw in the very first passage, God was telling us in discretion, understanding, it'll per- deliver you from the strange woman. And again, those kind of things are not just facts, that's the illumination of the Spirit as we begin to understand the, the, what the Word of God's trying to say. There's a spiritual understanding there. That is obviously comes from spending time with God, spending time with the author, and spending time in His Word. That's why our extended time with God is important. And I will tell you, for any of you that have spent extended time with God, you know when you start to cut that short, uh, then it begins to affect your spiritual life. And you find yourself open to temptation that were not an issue when you were walking with God. So very important, very first point. Of course, we see it again emphasized in chapter number 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom, bow thine ear to my understanding. There it is again. And again, it goes right into the strange woman. But I want us to go to the solution here. Look at verse number 8. Remove thy way far from her, come not nigh the door of her house. Now, obviously, uh, we're talking mostly about the strange woman today is found online and the technology issues of the strange woman. Now, the Bible says, remove thy way far from her, which means, uh, very clearly, we'll see other passages of Scripture that kind of allude to this. There needs to be in your heart a, a lack of naivety. In other words, it'd be like this. I could put it this way. Remove thy way far from her, which means, because I found this to be very true, if you go to Fox News, don't scroll down to the bottom because the bottom is full of the strange woman. Now, that's a practical application. In other words, news feeds, sometimes you'll learn that news, some news feeds are, have inappropriate issues. And I found that you have to be very careful there that news feeds can be a place of temptation for some. And so you want to remove your way far from her. And uh, the point is you don't want to go in that neighborhood understanding uh, where she might be. Okay, so remove thy way far from her. In a very understanding means don't look uh, beyond technology places where there's a temptation. For some of you may not even need to go to a news feed because you can't handle it. And uh, then stay away from them and get your news a different way or whatever. My point is whatever you got to do to stay away from the temptation of the strange woman, you better do it because the Bible says that the consequences are severe and uh, very severe if you really look at it. In other words, can I put it this way? The strange woman is uh, the woman, if we could really look at it, you're, you have the stench of death. You have the smell of brimstone. That's what God is simply saying. You need to look at the end. You need to look at the full picture. And that's what each of these passages do. They show us the terrible consequences. 
This passage certainly does in the next few verses. It says, lest thou, lest strangers, and thou mourn at the last. And then, of course, regret and say, how have I hated instruction, and, and etc. Not obey the voice of my teachers. You just read those verses and you see the terrible uh, consequences. Now, let's go to another part of the solution. Okay, remove thy way far from her. Verse number 15, drink waters of thine own cistern, running waters out of thy own well. That is simply meaning when you're married, then obviously you're faithful to your spouse, using that analogy there. And... Uh, he uh, makes that very clear. And then uh, uh, verse number 20, And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? In other words, uh, he begins to ask a question and he deals with, again, some of the terrible consequences of allowing the strange woman into your life. And I would say even in your marriage, the strange woman, woman is still trying to get you on the Internet. And obviously, I'm trying to make right now a technology application of the strange woman. I'm almost doing that exclusively, although clearly the passage is dealing with the strange woman in person, which is certain an issue even in our, uh, quite a bit in our day. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Here's my point, friend. God sees everything. He knows every website you've been to. He knows every place you surf. He knows in your heart when you go someplace, in the back of your heart, you're knowing this could be a place you shouldn't go. But you go there anything. It's one thing to be simple, naive. You go to this place. You're not expecting there to be any temptation. Boom, there it is. And then, of course, you need to deal with it. Run. You'll see that in a moment. God says, get out of there. Take your two good feet and go. But the point is... When you go someplace in the back of your heart, you know that that might be a temptation. That's what it's talking about. You better uh, recognize the ways of man above the eyes of the Lord. He sees your motivation. He sees what you're doing. Notice this, next verse, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of his sin. In other words, there is bondage that comes in the life of a young man who's not careful with a strange woman. Bondage. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, young men, you probably know this, but... Um, I've certainly heard this and done a lot of research in the last couple of years. My wife has read just about everything Pure Desire has to offer, as well as uh, ancillary ministries that deal with this issue. She's read a lot of things. And one thing you will simply find is many young men feel that have fallen into temptation and got into bondage before they get married, thinking when I get married it'll solve it. Sometimes it does for a little while, but many times it comes roaring back if they don't deal with the root issues that are literally feeding the issue. And they find themselves in bondage in marriage, and it's a terrible thing. And it can be destructive, and it, it is destructive, and it can even destroy the marriage if there are not uh, proactive steps taken toward uh, dealing with it biblically. But it, it's a, it's a, it brings people into bondage. It'll never tell you you're going to be brought into bondage, but it always brings you into bondage. And every young man out here who has not fallen prey to the strange woman online, I want to tell you right now, you ought to fear her like you fear no sin on planet earth. Because the Bible says there, that you're, you are going to be taken into bondage. Your iniquity shall take the wicked himself. You'll be holding with the cords of his own sins. In other words, the very sin itself will bind you. It will cause you to be in bondage. And it's a terrible thing. And uh, we need to understand God's trying to, to help us here. Here it is again. Ye shall die without instruction. He makes again that particular point. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. One of the tragedies, again, of the consequences of falling prey to the uh, online strange woman is you go astray. There are sometimes, thank the Lord, it hasn't been many, but some of our BCM students start going astray. And, you know, I've, in recent years, I've begun to wonder. I've begun to wonder, is there a moral issue in their life? A moral issue in their life? Because when you don't deal with this strange woman, you're going to go astray. You're going to get off into sometimes theological tangents. You're going to get off into being very self-centered. It's going to be, you're going to get in a ministry that's all about you. It's just you promoting you, you. I get worried 
when a preacher, uh, you're beginning to wonder, is he promoting the Lord or is he promoting him? Because it certainly seems like he's more important than the Lord. And I know that's a strong thing to say, but I get worried about those situations and wonder if there's not a deeper issue. And they're going astray as a result of that. I want you to understand that the, you, the online strange woman is a big deal. And God says there's negative, terrible consequences. Okay, in the chapter number 6, you find some of these same things again. Um, God deals clearly here with the issue of adultery, more of that. But look at verse number 25 when it talks about uh, the protection, God trying to protect us from it. Again, remember the three things, the, the characteristics of the strange woman, the consequences of getting involved with her, and then, of course, the warnings, the commands, if you will, uh, that are there to protect us from getting involved. It says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thine eyelids. So God is making a very clear, do not fall for this woman. It is an absolute show. It's a lie. If you got behind it, you'd smell the stench of a rotting corpse. You'd smell the sulfur of brimstone. You have to understand it's completely a lie. The passage, of course, goes on and uses an analogy to help us understand that. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? In other words, what God is trying to help you understand, when you begin to, to play into the strange woman, even the online strange woman, you will get burned. You will get burned. And although we're talking about mental adultery here, certainly some of the principles are still there. Whoso committeth adultery, notice this, with a woman lacketh understanding. Remember how we started at chapter 2 and you find in almost every passage, understanding is one of the great protections. That spiritual walking with God where you understand spiritual truth, not as facts alone, but as facts on fire. Facts that have been spiritually illuminated have changed your life. Okay, he lacks understanding. It destroys his own soul. I don't understand all that, but I will say this. I have noticed the young people who get into pornographic addictions, uh, there's something that is destroyed about them. And the Bible says it destroys their own soul. I don't understand all of that. I'm just saying there's something that destroys who the man is. And, uh, and, and you find this to be very true even as you read some of these books that deal with this. Even men who get into pornographic addiction, there is a destruction of their soul. They begin to isolate themselves. They're very poor fathers. They're terrible uh, mates. They push people off. And uh, there's a destruction taking place in their own humanness, could we say. And uh, the list goes on. And it goes through these terrible consequences. In the chapter number 7, we find again, keep my words, lay up my commandments with thee, keep my commandments and live. Again, making an emphasis on the Word of God. And of course, then it gives that great story about that naive young man, that simple man. And the point is, he was in the wrong neighborhood. You'll notice that. He was in the wrong neighborhood. And young person, you have to understand, you had better stay out of the wrong neighborhood. Hey, listen, if you're watching certain Hollywood movies, don't be shocked if there's provocation because you're in the wrong neighborhood. And some of you are, are not careful in the neighborhoods you go into. And like I said, it can be on news feeds. It can be on a variety of things. If you're not careful, you get in the wrong neighborhood. That's what happens. And, of course, another characteristic of the strange woman is she knows how to flatter. She knows how to seduce. She knows how to tempt. And you find that in several of the passages as well. Her mouth is... Uh, uh, drops like a honeycomb. And the idea here, you see the words she speaks. She speaks a lie. She's obviously, the strange woman is not loyal to her husband. And uh, the issue would be for a woman that I'm listening that's unmarried is she's not loyal to her future husband. If the Lord so provides that, it leads to that. And clearly, she's not loyal. She does, she's, she's, uh, she's cheating, as the world would even say. And that's why, young ladies, you're taught here at Baptist College of Ministry not to have an open spirit. To learn that, that there's, there, there's an uh, intimacy, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about emotional, 
intellectual intimacy that God reserves for marriage. And I, I, one of the keys of marriage is to have an intimacy that's not just physical. There's an emotional intimacy. There's an intellectual intimacy. There is a sense that things you will talk about with your wife, you would talk about with no one else. And you young ladies with your husband, you talk about with no one else. And uh, the, that, uh, that closeness that comes, and clearly there was not a loyalty. There was not a closeness here. She clearly betrays the trust of her husband. And you see that in the life of a strange woman. That's why, young ladies, it's important for you to understand you be... You, if you're becoming a strange woman, how do I put this? You don't become a strange woman overnight, it's over time. That's why it's important for you to be appropriate with the opposite gender, guys and girls. And uh, you're, uh, you're really learning, how do I put this? Faithfulness, I tell teenagers all the time, begins years ago. You're either laying a solid foundation for a future marriage or you're destroying it. There is no in-between here, even you young men. And faithfulness is all about one. In other words, faithfulness is keeping all aspects of intimacy that God created for marriage for a future spouse, which means you're not giving any part of that away now, whether it's emotional, intellectual, spiritual, uh, whether it's uh, the, obviously the physical or the mental, and these issues that God has uh, created for the bonding in marriage. And uh, so here it is again, and at the very end, he gives the advice again. I'm kind of focusing on the advice as we go through this. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Again, I say it again. Here it is. You smell the stench of a rotting corpse, and you smell the, the sulfur of brimstone. I mean, God makes it pretty clear. And I believe a lot of people go to hell because of this sin. What I mean is all sin puts people in hell. But if there's ever a sin I believe Satan uses to harden hearts and blind eyes so when they hear the gospel they reject it, it's got to be this sin. No, don't get me wrong. I see kids saved all the time who've been involved in moral impurity. But many times Satan uses this sin to try to harden a heart, to get them to reject salvation. So there's certainly uh, some great truth here. But it says, let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path. Same idea, friends. In other words, it's like this, young men. Do not fall for the ways of a strange woman. A strange woman is open. She is not closed. She is open. And she is certainly, uh, uh, she's flirtatious. There is, uh, as the Song of Solomon says, she's, uh, she's a door. She's not a wall. See, every young lady is either a door or a wall. A wall basically says to the male population, bug off. I'm keeping myself for my future husband. And a door doesn't say that. It says the opposite. And that's why God is saying, young men, don't go astray in her paths. Don't let her heart, her, your heart decline to her ways. Don't fall for her flirtatious spirit. Don't fall for the flattering eyes, the flattering words. Don't fall for that. So certainly even an online presence that, uh, that saints stay away from where she is, as we've already dealt with. Now I want to go to Proverbs 9, because we're, time obviously been a little unusual here, but I want us to see a couple of things in the last two passages. And again, we're just taking a rocket ride through. Maybe one day we'll come back and kind of focus more on the characteristics of the strange woman or the consequences, though we've talked about some of those. Largely, I've tried to focus on where, where the uh, solution is. But notice something here in verse uh, number 15 of Proverbs 9. A foolish woman, now she's called the foolish woman, is clamorous. She's simple, knowing nothing. To call passengers who grow, out on their, grow right on their ways, who's, who is simple, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, there it is again. She saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth that the dead, not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Now notice that, stolen waters are sweet. By the way, you see it again, death and hell, mentioned again. But it says, stolen waters are sweet. This is what the strange woman says. In other words, 
Satan uses the temptation of that which is out of bounds as a temptation. We all know that, like we've used the illustration before, if you put a sign on the wall that says wet paint do not touch, there's something inside of you wants to touch it. Nothing could be more powerful than what Satan does in the, in the moral realm. He tries, he lies to you and says, hey, listen, outside of the bonds that God has created, there's sweetness. And the truth is, young person, it's a lie because the passage even itself says, no, no, you're going to get the stench of death. It'll destroy you. It'll burn you. It'll bring, uh, uh, it'll bring devastation into your life. It'll destroy your soul. See, we've already talked about enough of the consequences. You know this is a lie. There may be a temporary sweetness, just like the Bible says the pleasures of sin for a season, but we all know that the consequences that are lasting are the ones that are biting, stinging, and certainly debilitating. So, Satan lies. Stolen waters are sweet. Now, here's the thing I want you to say. It says, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Now, notice that bread eaten in secret. The issue with the online strange woman is the secrecy of it. And I want you to understand that if you have a viewing problem and nobody that loves you knows about it, you're going to continue to have a viewing problem. Because bread eaten in secret is pleasant. In other words, friends, the key here that Satan gets you on is the secrecy. I've certainly found in dealing with young men on this issue, it's not everything, but it's a huge part of victory, is becoming, uh, how do I say this, becoming very open about their failure, uh, embarrassingly so, to the people who love them, the appropriate people. Hopefully that would be your parents. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if it's not, uh, you have pastors, pastors' wives, people who love you, care about you, that you need to get embarrassingly open about. And you need to understand that accountability is not just their responsibility because many in my generation are very, um, it's very hard for them. But if you'll make the decision, I'm going to them. They don't have to come and ask me. I'm going to give them regular reports of what's going on. And you even tell them that. I'll be every week or every uh, two weeks. I will be letting you know where I am on this deal. So they don't, because many times they won't come and ask you. I just know that in our generation, my generation, it's an uncomfortable issue. But many of them will be glad to help you if you'll take the initiative. But here's the point. Secrecy will kill you. Secrecy will kill you, absolutely kill you. And uh, that is exposed here. So you have to make a decision, I'm not going to be secret about it. And I'm just telling you right now, every young man out here, every young man who it's a secret sin, you know, you know that you fall on a regular basis. You know. And I just want you to understand that Satan has got you because you bought into his lie. You can get away with this. Nobody will ever know. Bread eating eat in secret is pleasant. It's okay. And uh, so that's one thing I want to say. By the way, I will say back to Proverbs chapter 7, it says she cast down many wounded. One of the reasons we've dealt with wounds for two years is wounded people are especially susceptible to strange women. And that's why it is very important that you deal with past wounds, that you get healing from the Lord. And we've talked about this a lot. I, I forgot to mention it back in 7, but I don't want it to escape the message that you have got to deal with wounds in the past. Many strong men are slain by her. So she gets two. She gets wounded people, and she gets people who are overconfident. The person thinks, I'd never fall. I'll never look at that. I'll never do that, is in trouble. You all know that out of 1 Corinthians. Him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. One of the worst things you and I can do is I'm strong enough to overcome that. I'll never fall that way. And what a tragedy because we're setting ourselves up, up for a fall. So remember, the strange woman goes after wounded people and she goes after people who are overconfident. And you've got to avoid both pitfalls. And uh, uh, so anyway, and one last thing I want us to do is Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. But I really trust, young person, 
that you will understand that now you don't have the accountability of being on campus. You don't have the accountability of good friends. One of the reasons I'm preaching this is it may only be for a couple, but it may be for some that have just begun to not be careful in your choices. Maybe you need to make some decisions about news feeds and where you get your news or how you get your news or accountability or have someone join you or whatever you need to do. Everyone understands the, their own propensities, their own proclivities, their, their own sense of, uh, of inclinations toward uh, issues that are overwhelming. And we need, to, uh, uh, we need to make decisions based on that to not make provision for the flesh. They're in Romans chapter number 13. But the last thing is Proverbs 23. And uh, it says there in um, chapter uh, 23, verse 26, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is an arrow pit. Okay, here's the next one. And that is to give your parents your heart. To give your parents your heart. Now, I, again, can't preach a whole message on this, but I've thought to myself, why do we give Jesus our heart? When you got saved, why do you give Jesus your heart? I'm going to tell you why you give Jesus your heart, because you can trust Him. Why can you trust Him? Well, because uh, we love Him because He first loved us. We realize He loves us unconditionally. He died for us. We can trust Him, so we give Him our heart. So I realize in most cases you have parents that you can do that to. You realize your parents love you, and you can trust them, and so you give them your heart. And you say, okay, Mom and Dad, when it comes to the moral arena, I'm an open book. And I'm open book about what you're doing about a future mate. I'm an open book about the struggles in my life. And I'm going to give you my heart. Some of you have done that. Some of you have not. Some of you say, well, preacher, I don't have a situation where I can do that. Okay. If you don't, you have a pastor and a pastor's wife. You have people that can help you. And let me encourage you to let them help you. Uh, because the Bible says that evidently giving your parents your heart seems to be a protection from the strange woman. From, for a whore is a deep ditch. It's really strong language, almost embarrassingly so. And for the King James, which is, uh, was very uh, much in the Victorian idea, uh, when it's blunt, you know it really is blunt. Because <laughs> uh, many times it tries to be careful, and, uh, which I do appreciate. But it's one last thing. We've just kind of gone through this. One last thing I want you to note. You may find it strange for me to do this with Baptist College of Ministry students. But the last thing the Bible tells us about when it comes to avoiding the strange woman, and this would be probably avoiding the literal strange woman. We've talked about the online presence of the strange woman staying away from our neighborhoods, being careful we're not going to places where we are going to be tempted. And into the back of your mind, you know that she might be there, then stay away. And if you go thinking, well, she might be there, but I've got, you know, I need to find this information, and it's kind of an excuse, you're already in trouble. And many times that's what happens. And you're in trouble. Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house. Don't even get close. And uh, again, if you inadvertently get there, the Bible already tells us what to do. Flee. Flee useful lust. Get out of there. And hopefully um, you know what that is. And sometimes immediately go to an accountability partner and just say, hey, I had a temptation. I just want to tell you what happened. And I boxed out of it. And I found out where I'm not going there anymore. And et cetera, et cetera. And, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you have run across uh, websites that have not been helpful. You need to make a decision about that situation. And uh, make uh, uh, some very important decisions. Maybe tell somebody about that, et cetera. In fact, I think it would be good to do that. But the last thing here is interesting. At the very end of it, it deals with alcohol. Now, isn't it interesting? It talks about alcohol. Look at verse number 32. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eye shall behold strange woman, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. It's interesting to me that God ties alcohol and the strange woman together. Now, I don't think any student out here, even the most naive of, of you, would, would have a 
you know, be shocked by that. We understand that. My mother grew up uh, and was orphaned when she was nine. Her mother died. When she was 14, her father died. She basically raised herself. They had a maid that was hired by their um, guardian uh, to clean their house, my mom and her older brother. But she pretty much had no, no adult supervision. It was just, she was just a miracle, and part of it because her father really instilled in her purity principles. And she was all about purity, and she lived in a very wicked town. It was small, but it was very wicked. For years, it was in one sub-record book, either Ripley's or Guinness, uh, that had the most bars per capita of any town in America. And they say men would drive down from Chicago to get drunk in this town. Really, and so it obviously, my mom said that the, the, the result of that was moral impurity. Very few young people graduated from high school um, that were still in, had their virginity. Most of them were already in sexual sin. And I remember my mother warning me about alcohol. She said she saw it many times in living color. Uh, people going into the bar and then, of course, getting into moral impurity. And I won't go any further from that. Now, I would think as a Baptist College of Ministry student, you know that. But you're, you're going to go out in a world that downplays, even a Christian world, that downplays alcohol. I know in contemporary theology it was dealt with. I listened to some of Pastor Swanson's lectures just because I happened to be in the room while uh, my daughter Jana was listening uh, to the class. And I was certainly grateful for that. But just from a very practical standpoint, if you never take alcohol, you'll never have to worry about alcohol dulling you to open the door for the strange woman. You never have to worry about it. And uh, it's very important, God makes it very clear here, the connection between this, uh, the issue of alcohol and strange woman. And honestly, there's not lost people that would debate this. People who get dulled by alcohol are far more open to moral impurity. And terrible things have happened, and children conceived, and sometimes the woman no idea how it happened, what happened. The man have no idea that it happened. There are men that find children come into their lives later on who had no idea the child was conceived. And I'm going to tell you why. Because alcohol. Alcohol is, goes hand in hand. My mother warned me. She said, don't touch alcohol. Alcohol is hand in hand with moral impurity. They go together. She witnessed it multiple times in her growing because of the wicked town in which she lived. So I want you to understand, gang, uh, in the day in which we live, if you're struggling in this area, get in the book of Proverbs. Memorize these verses. Now, of course, these verses give us the answer. Spend your time with God. Be open with parents and other spiritual leadership, particularly when you're struggling. And, and don't have secret sins. Don't just, uh, you know, you got to be honest, open. Stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But uh, if it's not in secret, you're not going to eat it there. And accountability is so important. It's not everything, but it is important. Having a walk with God is all important, and these issues. So uh, I trust that God will do something in your heart. So here's what I'm going to ask. Our pianist is here. I'm going to ask her to come. I'm going to ask her to play. Uh, it stands her or two. I know we've gone a few minutes over in light of the uh, commercial in the middle uh, of our time, and uh, she's just going to play a couple of stanzas. And if you need to do business with God, do it. But here's the point. What's your action steps? Some of you have action steps. Take them because uh, this is a huge issue. The book of Proverbs makes it a huge issue. So... <laughs> 